Welcome to the Chris and Bill Show. Uh, we'll see about a title. We're working on it. Uh, let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Bill Simpson, and this is our first podcast. You can tell it's our first podcast because I didn't silence my phone, and it just went off. I don't know where it is. It did? It's fine. But let me introduce my <laughs> co-host that uh, I met, what, about a year ago yeah. at this point? Last June is when I started, May. Yeah. So yeah, about a year. Actually, almost a year and a half at this point. And uh, yeah, Chris Monday, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Although, if this is my show... Yeah, you're my co-host, so... Okay. You should you should say that every time. <laughs> thank you for having thank me. Thank you for having <laughs> me. It would be very appreciative. So you said that you wanted to start with something. Is there something in particular you wanted to say that I cut you off with earlier? <laughs> no, I already said it. It was the writing thing i oh that's my computer uh, that's going up that's okay. so that's gonna happen for the rest of yeah for the next 15 years <laughs> yeah the podcasting it's just gonna be every time i get a text message it's just gonna go with that all right so uh one thing that i did want to talk about at the first like top of the show that i really did cut you off with uh was the nfl um oh, yeah. what was the like racist experience like what happened well so, I mean, there's a lot of backstory behind this, but essentially it centers around the Black Lives Matter movement or just any, really any social equality movement and the fact that athletes, especially now, but more and more have been using their voice to try and speak out against social injustice and try and, you know, promote equality. As and they should. As they should. As they yeah. should be allowed to do, right? And But some people still don't understand that they are people first and athletes second. Right. But anyway, there's, you know, there's this, been this whole storyline, you know, and it started with Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the flag. And the immediate rhetoric was that it's disrespecting the flag, right? How do you think that started? If, from what I remember, I think it was propagated the most by Donald Trump like he pub said it in like a like a um an interview or during you know one of his you, you know, know what I think it was I, I thought he, he he did he blew it up blew in the wrong up. way but I think what happened because Kaepernick like when that started getting out he was like I want to make it clear like this has nothing to do with you know hating on the flag like right. he genuinely had a press conference where he said yeah. that I think what totally fucked him and yeah, we are gonna curse on this thing. Is the pigs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The pig socks. Yeah. Why? Yeah. That's where you you, you he you lost lose, his credibility. You lose every any white person that's like a little bit on the fence, but wants to be on your side when you do something like that. Like you said, I don't it, mean it kind of credibility. It point and it starts to point him as okay. So maybe he's not doing this for the right reasons. Yeah. Maybe he's got hate in his heart as well. I guess that could be an entire two episodes. So to jump forward, <laughs> I, I think everyone is aware of the history behind all of that. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. just want to go on the record saying I support the players and their ability to have a voice. And I think it's important that they have a voice because they have so much influence. But right? I just want to say if we weren't recording, you wouldn't be saying that. Would I not? <laughs> I'm, Why would I not? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think I've said that like 80 yeah. times before. <laughs> I just want to get you in trouble. Now everyone's going to think I'm a fraud. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fraud. Um, so we jump ahead to now, right? The NBA is doing a lot. Yeah. Right? They more got, than anyone else by far. More than anyone else by far. Um, but the NFL, 
which is historically felt like the management, at least this is my perspective, yeah. it seems like the, the ownership, the management from the teams and the NFL, you know, the league in general, it's very restrictive of, of what it allows its players to do. And it has finally opened up its players to be able to share their voice, right? Yes. They were the, the entire NFL was against Kaepernick kneeling. In fact, the next season after that, they made a rule where you had to stand during the anthem. Yeah. They, they, they made it an official rule. And then after the George Floyd incident and I think some prominent voices finally putting enough pressure on them, Roger Goodell and the ownerships kind of softened. There's, there's almost this... The whole country has, has finally, I think, broken through and softened to be ready to have these conversations. Yeah. So jump forward to last night, Thursday, August, September 10th, and it was the very first game of the 2020 NFL season that's finally happening. happening this even, is yesterday. This is yesterday. Because yeah. we're recording on September 11th. I said that. R.I.P. Sorry. I said okay. that. I was getting weird. <laughs> um, um, so what happened was... The Houston Texans and the oh Chiefs and the and the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's a great point. One of the major reasons why I believe this is my personal opinion, why I believe the NFL has now pushing so hard for social equality and players having their own voices, is because the players came out with a video in May or June saying how they wanted equality. And and they were some of the most prominent players in the NFL right now, including one Patrick Mahomes. But wasn't it even like it was the video coordinators who were like, "Yo, players, let's make this video." And then the players, they all just together presented it to Goodell yeah. or to and they and they put it on social media yeah. and all that. But here's the thing, I think, and this is just my opinion, I think that because Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott were a part of it, these are men of color who are going to be the future of the NFL, right? In the NFL, if you know anything about the NFL, there's kind of this old guard of... First of all, the quarterback is the most important position, period. There's this kind of old guard of quarterback with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Peyton Manning, Manning. you know, Troy Aikman. These were white quarterbacks who are amazing players, and they are getting old and they are retiring. And now we are embracing a lot more of the... Deshaun Watson. And it doesn't matter what color you are, but it is, it is the run, the, the, the mobile quarterback Yeah. who is... who is. Are there the, white mobile quarterbacks? There just, are, yeah. Just so people know, I don't know anything about the NFL. It's not on my radar. Like, I don't even see it. The algorithm of social media knows the NFL is so off my radar, I see nothing. And so, I love football. So it's the, my favorite thing in the world. So I get all of my news from... I, I'm hearing all this for the first time. Yeah. So, so, but so there are white mobile quarterbacks. There are. Josh okay. Allen would be the a great LSU example. Guy, is he um, Joe Burrow is a great example the of a mobile guy. quarterback. Heck, ask if you're asking me, Tony Romo was a great example of a mobile quarterback who yeah. could move when he needed to move yeah. um, and get away from people. Wasn't uh, Tim Tebow? A mo- Tim Tebow is yeah. a great example of a mobile quarterback. In fact, yeah. he was better at running than he was at throwing. Yeah. Um, and now you've got so you've got there's this new guard of quarterback and some of the most prominent names in, in the last few seasons have been Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, um, Deshaun Watson. Um, oh, gosh. Who is the Ravens quarterback? Um, Dude, I wish I could help you. Uh, I know his name. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is a running back, but he's also a great um, example of just um, – Vince Young. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's a quarterback. Um, but he was okay. a running back. 
I well, he never that. was. Oh, okay. He was always a quarterback, but they wanted him to be a running back because oh, he's better okay. at running. Okay, so the idea is these men are the future of the NFL. Yeah. These men appeared in this video saying they demanded social justice. And in the video, they called out the NFL and they said, NFL, can you admit to us that Black Lives Matter? They, they, they asked the NFL to publicly say it. Yeah. I think that because of the influence of these men and how they're the future of the NFL, I think that's a big reason why the NFL has, has now embraced social equality, whereas just one season ago, kneeling was not happening. And the yep. best example is the Cowboys, because Jerry Jones is kind of the de facto, people kind of see him as one of the most powerful voices in the NFL, but they also see him as, him as being very player-friendly, but also very like, I'm the boss, and yeah. you do what the boss says. And if the boss says, no, you don't do it. Yeah. Jerry Jones is now allowing his players to express themselves. So, players are now being given the reins to express their opinions when it comes to social justice and perform any kind of act during the game or whatever that they see fit. Yeah. So, one such example, last night, first game of the 2020 NFL season, Chiefs-Texans, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, the future of the NFL. And, right. this is, and they both just got paid hundreds of millions of dollars this la- this summer. Oh, he and the both Houston, of them. Houston ended up getting how much? What was Sean Watson got a oh, he got a lot of money. I don't remember exactly what it was, yeah. but all I know is that it puts pressure on the Cowboys to pay Dak Prescott. Anyway, the point is, here's and, what happened. And thirty million people are probably watching this, right? At, you know, first NFL game. Yeah, I think Super Bowl. Apparently, champs. apparently their ratings took a hit, and all the people who are trying to boycott the NFL are going to say, "I'll look it up while you." This was me. I, I did a great thing. So what happened was the Chiefs and the Texans decided that they were going to protest or draw attention to inequality in their own way. And here's what they did. The Chiefs were standing on the sideline for the national anthem, and I believe all but one player were standing up. And the thing about this is they decided as a team and as individuals that they would do this. This wasn't they didn't stand up because their boss told them to, and they didn't kneel because their boss told them to. This, in my opinion, from what I understand, was just true freedom of choice. Yeah. The Texans decided that their team would stay in the locker room during the national anthem. So the point was to not anger people with kneeling during the anthem because the disrespecting of the flag rhetoric has been it's it's the anti argument to you know to that type of um, uh, action. Yeah. They're always going to say that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. So instead of doing it regardless and fighting those people, they said, okay, we're going to come up with an alternative, right? So after the national anthem, both teams went to the middle of the field, and the two future quarterbacks in the NFL locked arms, and then they locked arms with all their teammates, and they stood in, in kind of a, a line across the field. As a moment of unity, it was yeah. called. And oh, they, yeah, yeah. And they put this on TV, and it was a moment of unity, and they were standing together. Yeah. They were trying to represent two competing sides, putting aside their differences for just 30 seconds and standing together, symbolizing what we as Americans should be doing to make the country better for everyone, right? During this moment of unity, the limited fans that were in attendance at least some of them were actively booing during this moment of unity. To the point where you could hear it, You could hear it on television, and it's been talked about all day today. And the point I wanted to make, and that someone else has already made it on on SportsCenter, and I don't even remember her name, but she was an an ESPN or a SportsCenter, or maybe Fox or something, 
uh, um, an, an, an analyst, she said that this is proof that people who don't support this, it's never been about the flag. It's always been about just flat out not supporting the Black Lives Matter movement or the racial fighting against racial injustice because there's never a good enough protest and it's never a good time to do it and you can't do it on your own time and you can't do it on the NFL's time and you can't kneel because that's disrespecting the soldiers but you can't stand for a moment of silence of unity because that also is getting booed. People just don't want to support what these players are trying to promote no matter what form it takes. Even if it's fully peaceful. Even if it's 100% peaceful, yeah. it's unity, it's not disrespecting anyone, yeah. they're reaching for a reason to hate it, and it just shows you that they don't... These people who are booing, and the people who support them booing, yeah. they never cared... They never really cared about disrespecting the flag. They really just don't like the idea of a social equality movement for one reason or another however they convince themselves they're correct yeah i don't see any world in which you can boo at a moment of unity and not be just absolutely at ridiculous under, at least understanding you know like, even if how, you don't agree you want you can understand how can you not say oh i believe in equality like even if you don't put anything else into that you don't look yeah. at any other kinds of history or anything else and you just it's easy to say oh that's like saying uh, i don't know chocolate is delicious but it goes I mean, back not everyone to thinks. that facebook post you were saying and you that you were upset about when we talked about before we started recording was just like people are and like they basically are just the way that in my mind they blame the most is they're just they that they justify it is they basically say you've been given everything you're an athlete you were handed everything mm-hmm. on a platter and that's how they justify their rage because they're like who are you to protest when you've been given everything yeah. and like we were saying off air like no they still have worked incredibly hard and yeah. beat a bunch of odds especially in the NFL yeah. like, like in the NBA I can understand if you're 7 feet tall it helps a lot but the NFL is just like it is a next man up game like there is not only it's next brutal. one up but it's like the person next one up is probably just as talented as you. Yeah. Like the the with the quarterback situation in Dallas, no one knew who what what's his face was. Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick. Tony yeah. Romo gets hurt. Tony Romo never he get, he did get to play one more game, but it was the yeah. last game of the season, and it was a throwaway game. He never he never played football again. He never played competitive, meaningful football again. And, and even props to them knowing it's such a cutthroat league and knowing what happened to Kaepernick, being like, you know what, we'll still stand up together anyways and like knowing that their jobs are essentially at risk and they could be blackballed too you know what i mean yeah well because there really is always the next man up we could all just start watching this canadian football league yeah you know so but yeah dude it's yeah. uh we won't but <laughs> we could i, I guess but i don't really know where we were going with this but it, it's definitely upsetting that it's just like visual on tv the yeah. hate for really completely misguided reasons of you you're just upset because you think the person protesting was given everything and that means they shouldn't protest yeah it's just it's sad it's just people just want it's like they just want to disagree well it's it's people are very yeah people want to it's a mask thing people don't want to wear a mask they they don't want to be told what to do how to think you know it's we it's it goes back to something that i've talked about with a lot of people 
America as a country, we are a very individualistic country. And a lot of that stems from the creation of this country, how we were given rights, right? This idea that in, in all men were created equal and that we have rights and that these rights can't be taken away by anyone because they are God-given. And, and that was correct. But as Americans, we've almost bought into that so hard that we think that these rights extend to just let us do whatever we want. Yeah. That the government can't tell us anything. Like, we're very individualistic in that... We don't like being told what to do. We don't like being told what to do. We don't like being told how to think. We don't like being told we're wrong. We like being catered to and finding something that tells us we're right. And it's just... People don't like to be challenged in America. It seems like, as far as their opinions go. Not in terms of, like, Especially when work you, ethic when and stuff. Especially when you challenge... Like when people associate, like you said, like you associating Black Lives Matter and like it's almost like saying and like trying to essentially just fight for equality. Like it, like how you were saying, like people are then saying, are you devaluing my success? You know how we were just talking about that? When, when you say when Black Lives Matter was created... Yeah. What was the counter movement that was created? All lives. All matter. lives matter. Yeah. It's this idea that we can't be told one thing without having to just fight internalize it. it in a in a weird way. And it, yeah. it's the the best argument I've always heard for why all lives matter is so silly is if if there's a neighborhood of houses and one house is on fire. And the fire department comes. We want the fire department to put out the house that's on fire. Yeah. But if if the fire department said no, all of these houses matter, and so we're gonna start on that side of the street and we'll work our way down. And it's like my house is gonna be burnt to the ground by then. Like, yeah. You, yes, all of these houses matter, but one What's of them is on fire and needs attention. Help. Yeah. And and why? I mean, the idea of every life mattering is. It's so obvious it's silly. And not only... That you don't think that... Why would anyone not think that every person's life matters? Yeah. You'd have to be insane to think that, right? But that's not... And that's why they think that the movement is so smart. The All Lives Matter movement. But yeah. the point is not to say... These other lives don't matter. The point is to say that black lives don't feel like they matter. And they would like to matter more. Yeah. It's almost like a way to feel oppressed and to not only feel oppressed or at least fake oppressed so you could justify racism back. Yeah, they're you manufacturing know? their own oppression. Exactly. Yeah. Is is what it feels like they're doing. Exactly. Because then blue lives matter and all lives matter and I've seen, you know, other people basically take the slogan and it's whatever they want, lives matter, you know? What is uh it's just manufacturing this quote-unquote inequality because someone else because someone else is getting more attention than i am what is the thin blue line like what does that mean it stands for blue lives matter yeah. so it's an american flag and one of the lines is blue and i mentioned this to, to one of my friends the other day you know i fully support i don't want to get too too much into the police situation because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another episode yeah but it's 
the the presence of Black Lives Matter is not the absence of all all lives matter. Oh, and it's not the absence of blue lives matter. They can they can coexist. Yeah. The movement of Black Lives Matter can exist at the same time that we take care of police officers and soldiers and we and we mourn them properly. Heck, they're mistreated by the government more than anyone. Yeah. But it you know but they they've always received this high level of respect for the difficulty and the sacrifice that their job entails. Yeah. And now they're receiving criticism and it's just instantly like you don't appreciate it. Like there's just this knee jerk reaction of just ah you you must hate us because you're criticizing us. You must hate police officers and you must hate America. I can't tell you how many people my parents age say that there's no more patriotism left in this country because people aren't we're just not blindly in love with America like we used to be. Well, I just feel like everything we talk about in terms of like political debates and stuff always just goes back to tribalism. Mm-hmm. And it's like tribalism, I feel like one just huge aspect of it is just like making sure there's one side against another side. Like it has to be that way for whatever reason. Yeah. So when someone says Black Lives Matter, they're like, okay, how can I turn this into my tribe against your tribe. What they're saying, what what people think they're saying is that only black lives matter. Yeah. And it's not it's not true. Like I said, the presence of a black lives matter movement does not have to exist in the absence of a blue lives matter. Yeah. Both can both can exist and frankly, we can fight for black people to receive equality at the same time that police officers receive what they might need. Then you have to get into, you know, what I believe a higher standard that they should be held to. Yeah. But, again, that's – I could talk for days on the whole police yeah. situation. It's not exactly a um, you know what, targeted uh, discussion. What sucks to look up was the, was the stats of the uh, first game because you would think that right off the bat, like – Police, like, people protesting NFL or not, like, it's still going to be up because people are just desperate to watch something. Right. But it's down, like, 16%. Yeah, it's down 16.1% compared to the last first game last year. It got yeah. and it got 16.4 million viewers, which honestly is not very good for an NFL game. It's it is a Thursday night game, which true. I think is always worse. We'll have to see what... what NFL Sunday looks like. So last year's season opener was it on a Thursday? I don't honestly. It might have been. I think they're usually recently well, they've done Thursdays, so we can look it up. But uh, it had twenty two million, which is way yeah. more like it. I don't. I don't disagree. I don't uh, believe that the boycotts won't have an impact on viewership. Yeah. But I think there's a lot more to take into consideration because. At least from what I understand, and we we should probably confirm this, but from what I understand, TV ratings are collected through Nielsen, which is kind of the big. It was a Thursday. Was Thursday, so TV ratings are usually collected through cable boxes, receiving that data that a specific household is watching a specific channel. Right. That's where you get your Nielsen ratings from. Are you about to say Nielsen's racist? No. What uh. I'm about to say is streaming yeah has become a sig- 
streaming legally and illegally has become a significantly popular way of watching sports. And I don't think modern rating systems take into account streaming. But I don't think streaming has made that big of a leap in a year. You know, I That's a good point. Like I think you could make that argument maybe five years ago and over a long span but like from 2019 it's not like like i there's probably a trend you know where it's, it's probably decreasing because yeah. people are going to streaming but a drop of 16 percent that's over a year a year that's year, not going to be from maybe three years because i do think that the cable industry has taken a lot of hits recently with people backing of out of packages but like I always use an illegal stream so so i i think the boycotts will make a noticeable impact I just think they're stupid, and I think... What, wait, what boycotts are stupid? Uh, people are boycotting watching the NFL because the players are taking a stand against social inequality. That's why those numbers were down. That's the, but, pe- the people who are booing, you know, people who disagree that with the players being... Sh- showing their support for, for Black Lives Matter or anything like that. I've seen it all over... Twitter, some of it's bots because Russia's yeah <laughs> owns the U.S. right now. But uh, there's a lot of people that are saying, "Well, I'm not going to watch this anymore because I don't like that they're taking a knee or, or doing anything yeah. for that matter." It if if my sports have even a hint of social issues mixed in, I don't want to watch them anymore. And people are actively boycotting sports. They're doing it to the NBA. They're doing it to the NFL now. Yeah, they're actively boycotting sports because they want to hurt the NFL for doing something that they disagree with. Yeah, which is they're childish. Right, but they're right, I guess. You know, I mean, like they have their right to. Do they that. have the right to do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they have the right to do it, and I think it will make an impact. I don't think it'll make a strong one or a lasting one because football is yeah. going to outlast all of this. But if it's if six concussions th- couldn't kill football, then. Then yeah. social equality won't. But if it's sixteen percent throughout the year, that's a huge. It's a big hit. Yeah. It is a big hit and a but, surprising hit. Uh, we'll have to see. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not a. It can't be effective. I just think it's dumb. Yeah. But right. that's because I agree. It's easy for me because I agree with what the players are doing, and so when I see it, I feel happy. Yeah. I feel proud. I feel like change is coming. When other people see it, for whatever reason, they just get angry and they don't like it, and so they don't want it anywhere near their face. Because they're not the ones being helped, you know. And, and a That's bunch of other reasons. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. But, the system is never wrong for the people it works for. Yeah. Who in their right mind would live in any type of system that worked well and be like, <clears throat> I don't want this anymore. That's yeah. silly. I mean. I mean, I've heard so many comedians, like more than one comedian, have this basic premise of like being like, I'm glad I'm white. Like it's the fucking race. Like (laughs) I would renew it every year if I could. You know, I definitely get the privilege and the best like out like uh, shot. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, Yeah. we all know deep down and I think it just causes, stirs up a racist hatred and a justification for it. How long do you think, if you had to guess, we have been recording since we started? 35 minutes. Are you serious? No, dude. I th- was thinking like five minutes. We haven't been recording for five minutes. We've been recording for 918 seconds. 
and I don't think so we'll just say we talked about one subject for more. <laughs> so we this is this is typical for me. I think while I talk, and so I tend to talk in kind of a wheel and spoke kind of situation where I, I branch out and then I bring it back in. But if we've been talking for like 15 minutes, which we have been, yeah, and we do this have two versions of this or three versions of this. That's a podcast, or even just one. Yeah. That's a podcast right there. 15 minute, 30 minute, 45 yeah. minute. That's very typical. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to get my opinion out of my own brain, and it doesn't... I know. I don't even need it to go into your brain, yeah. and you have to accept it. I just need to get it out of my own brain, and then I I feel satisfied. It's like therapy almost. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... Because you actually feel like you came to some sort of conclusion. I think out loud know? for sure. But also like... It's thinking, and you have, like, an end goal. You know what I mean? I, like, I think about this kind of stuff all the time. I love how you have two coasters here. Yeah, well, it stuck to the other one when I tried to move it. But now it's permanent. You, I'm going to use this one, yeah. Yeah. It's glass anyway, so, like, you know. Um, yeah, some, I, I'm constantly thinking about these kinds of things. That so starting a podcast now, when it comes... Like, I've already completed a lot of these thoughts and i'm just trying to repeat them yeah like i said i I said this to to bill earlier but but i do consider myself very thoughtful and other people would call me very thoughtful in terms of how much just critical thinking i do even to just myself yeah because i don't have a lot else to do yeah right now Mm -hmm. and we'll find out about that reasons why later but that's a big part of it, and also living alone, you just kind of... You have a lot of time. If, if you fill your own apartment with sound, then it feels less lonely sometimes, too. Yeah. yeah, and that is definitely something we talked about. It's just like, when you are, you know, already struggling and becoming liberal... And a Democrat, you know, we're more democratic and more liberal. And you're trying to find a job and you can't find a job. We were basically saying, like, is that making you basically, because you have time on your hands, look into this stuff more, see how unfair it is even more because you have the time to do so because you don't have a job. And therefore, you're looking at the inequality because, you, again, you, you have the time. And it, it's like real stuff you're looking at. It's not biased stuff. But then you're just becoming even more liberal. So it's just like this cycle. Yes you know? and no. And the only reason why I say no is because you and I have had conversations like this at least three or four times in the past month. Right. And I have taken away something from each conversation and tried to stop the actively stop the sp- completely spiraling into just like a complete communist. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was never going to happen, but yeah. I am I like I said I'm very thoughtful in thinking, so yeah. I'm trying to take what I've learned from previous conversations with you and apply it to my daily thinking. So in other words, I have backed off. While I still believe some of these things are unfair, especially when it comes to politics, I'm just more like, okay, but you know what? Honest, that's at the end of the day, that's just politics, and that will never go away. And sometimes the right thing to do 
it might be super clear to me, but it actually isn't as clear. And, and but you'll say you will admit that in the last twelve months, you have definitely leaned more right than twelve months ago, left. and more left. Yeah, and whether that is because you don't have a job or not, or it's just because, like we said, we have more time on your hands, so you're just discovering more things. Like the point is, you would agree that you have leaned yeah 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 and that's part of it the reason why but that's not i would say that's only like 20 percent of the, whole the job part the job or part. the time part the, those are both the same thing basically yeah not having but what would you say the other 80 percent is the rest of it is me as a person i've always been a very empathetic person yeah so if there is a story where one person has been negatively impacted such as death like or, george floyd or injury yeah so you think it's any it's, death or injury or just sadness i my my heart hurts for those people and i tend to defend them or to understand them or to try and and, and feel empathize. for them empathize with them so you think that you have become more liberal over the last 12 months based on what you've just seen in the news and experience from your you know, as you get older and more mature, just like you becoming, like you said, more understanding and empathizing with people, you think it's just more that growing as a person and just seeing the horrible stuff in the news more than like your situation. I would say roughly 20% is, is the fact that I am currently unemployed, having a hard time becoming employed. <laughs> and because of that, I've had moments where i've had a lot of time on my hands which has yes. allowed me to thoroughly develop these opinions right the reason why these opinions are developing in the first place is i would say you know what 20 percent. i would say you know 50 percent of the rest of that is because of my nature yes. of being empathetic being thoughtful exactly um and then the rest of that i think everyone can agree shit has really hit the fan in 2020 gotcha. like anything because of the pandemic and because of the social unrest and because of it's an election year everything has just been under a magnifying glass and the differences in ideologies are becoming clearer and clearer and people are a lot of people are are falling further and further into an ideology just because that's yeah kind of the they don't want to think too hard yeah right information has become so muddy and at the same time accessible that anyone can find something that supposedly backs up their opinion yeah. right we even have some time we have scientists saying all these things about covid and then you have this other group of people saying there was it was in the news that they were saying some sort of specific chemical can cure covid and these people yeah. were like crazy stupid chloroclofenine chloroclofenine yeah, yeah. like <laughs> but, and people are like well they're scientists and they say it'll cure you and it's like so there's always some sort of information out there for someone's opinion to back up their opinion and so i think everyone can agree 2020 has just brought all of these issues under a huge microscope right the social inequality chloroquine chlor this is not 2020 is not the year where unarmed black people started becoming, started getting. So you uh, would killed. say it's 
of just the craziness in the news and what's going on. Twenty percent you just thirty percent of that. Okay, thirty percent of that, and then twenty percent you just having the time to realize what's going on, just digging into stuff, and then fifty percent of just your nature. Yeah, and but you part of that nature goes into those other things. Well, no, what I'm right? what I'm saying is part of that nature is I probably would have ultimately come to these conclusions once I gave them enough thought. That's, what that's I'm who saying. I am as a person. But that, 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 yeah, so they're tied in together. That's yeah, exactly. so, I naturally would have gotten here, but this is the first election process where I've been very in tune with the day to day, even when, when, when in 2016 I was in college. Yeah. So I was very wrapped up in what I was doing in college. Yeah. So even though Trump and Hillary were battling it out and it felt like a turning point in America, I wasn't as involved. Yeah. I knew You're all still I knew in college? was yeah, I was still in college. Yeah. All I knew was I didn't like either of them. Yeah. And I didn't really care because yeah. it was two awful choices. And, and you're so in I, college. And so now I'm much more involved. So it's a combination of all those things. Yeah, like you said, I yeah, I would say it's just like like a big percentage is the cycle and the heaviness of this election cycle mixed with your age. Yeah. And just like the maturity, like what, yeah. how you're growing as a person. And then I would I would put that first and then I would put the job yeah. thing second. The, the, yeah. the job thing is only, it's yeah, only it's given me part, the time yeah. to yeah. De- delve further into my true feelings on this situation. Yeah. But the joblessness has made me take a hard look at the government and how it works. Well, let me be honest. My first true realization of how messy our government two-party system is was when I was in eighth grade and I took government for the first time. And I learned that when one side is proposing a bill, the other side can attach parts to these bill that have nothing to do with the original intent specifically to make sure that bill fails, right? They're just playing politics. So when I learned that they they sabotage and filibuster and they do all these things just so that the other side can't succeed, yeah. that's when I first realized, oh, this might be, quote unquote, the perfect system of government, but it's far from perfect. Dude, you know what's so funny is I basically had that exact same moment. Like I wanted to be in politics as yeah. a kid. And I wonder if a lot of people have these moments. My thing that made me realize, like, oh, yeah, in theory, this government is perfect. It really yeah. is. But mine was lobbying. And just, like, how a special so interest groups, bad. like, you know, whether it's, like, something I support, like, pro-weed or, you know, pro-solar panels. Or if it's, like, something terrible, like, pro-oil, you know, or pro, like, minimum, keep a minimum wage down. Like, the fact that you can just throw hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars... Add a add a something you support to it. You're essentially bribing, you know, the yeah. senator or the person in charge of just like, hey, take all of everything I'm gonna donate to your campaign. I want you to remember that 80 percent of who donated to your campaign works for this oil company. Yeah, and you're gonna push our our, rhetoric, our agenda. Our agenda. Like, yeah. I just. That's why. And I guess that's, pharmaceutical companies have gone crazy. Yeah. That's why colleges have gone crazy. I mean. The world – I heard the other day that apparently Thomas Jefferson thought that the U.S. Constitution should be rewritten like every 16 years because the founding fathers 
knew that the country was going to change and they wanted yeah. to create a flexible system that could survive change because they saw what happens when a system refuses to be flexible and it stops working for for groups of people the 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 british system refused to be flexible and it wasn't working for the colonists and what did they do Recreate. they revolted yeah. they revolted and they said we'll create a system that does work for us yeah. the founding fathers fresh off of all of that because they were all still alive through all of it, they said, we want to make a... I think they wanted to make a system that could survive years and years and years because it could be flexible. And yeah. I think we, in modern-day America, when you're a hardcore constitutionalist, you don't think that, and you think yeah. that it needs to be followed exactly the way it was written and that's why we don't have term limits for Congress and we allow lobbyists to have all this power. And now their claws are so deep into our government, it might they might never come out. And that is actually a big – you know how like if you're – there's just issues that just like puts you on the left or right side. If you believe this, you're on the left basically take a, no matter what. You take what. a test on yeah. BuzzFeed and it goes, you're a Republican. So that is one of the things that just like makes me I guess – for sure, on the Democratic side, it's like they the they say the separation is like Democrats look at the Constitution as a living, breathing document that needs to be updated yeah. and should be updated, and Republicans are like, no, we are taking it as it was written in seven or whatever eighteen oh one or whatever, you yep. know. And and along the exact same lines of thinking, it's why I never liked the slogan "Make America Great Again" because. It depends on who you great ask. For who, yeah, exactly. But who, when, when was it ever great for everyone? Because yeah. as as hard as things seem right now, it seems like every year things are worse and worse. But then you look back at what this country has gone through, yeah. and there's never been a. I mean, there's been some periods of 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 good, as far as what they'll teach you in history. Like they yeah. always say positive things about the twenties, yeah. and then they boom. And then we get, and then we get into the Great Depression, yeah. all that. But kind there were still like horrible. There were still horrible things happening. Women couldn't vote. Bar you know, they barely. Had World rights. War Two is one of the proudest moments in American history. But guess what we did? We, the Japanese internment camps. Yeah. We did that. Yeah. And then, as I, 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 I've trust me, I've been to the World War Two Museum in New Orleans, and I was incredibly proud of my country, and still am for defeating fascism. Um, let's defeat it a second time. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, a lot of people make fair arguments that the two nuclear bombs that we dropped on Japan were overdoing it and yeah. were unnecessarily cruel. Yeah. And especially the second one. People do. Especially the second like one. It's like universally accepted. And so there is a lot of, even in our, one of our proud, I mean, you have to think if America was a, a human being, World War II is like your senior year college quarterback. It's like your greatest accomplishment almost, right? We didn't single-handedly win the war, but we turned the tide of the war. And we fought on two fronts. We were the like, we were 99% of the fight in the Pacific. We D-Day was a horrible, disgusting, awful day. Well, we were half. But it easy. marked the turn of the war like... Our soldiers kicked ass on and it's two a, fronts. On two fronts, and it's a very proud moment in in our history. But even then, domestically, we were not making great decisions for all yeah. of our citizens. Yeah. So when I think of "Make America Great Again," it's that last <laughs> word that bothers me. 
Yeah, because like the through. idea of America is that it can be great if we continue to develop it the way the founding fathers intended, yeah. but it can't be great again because it was never great the first time. In my opinion, a country isn't great until every citizen, except for the ones who are, you know, uh, uh, admit they're anarchists and they don't agree in democracy, period. It has to be that all your citizens say, yeah, this, this country treats us well. Yeah. Do I don't hear people say negative things about Canada. Do you? I mean, we don't live in Canada, right? But country, the country, the whole point of a country is that it's a place for people to live and enjoy their lives and be able to live it. And if your country is actively hurting your ability to live a happy life, how is it a, a great country? Yeah. It's not great for you, then it can't be objectively great. Like, it's just blah, blah. Um... You know, it, I was, though, like, trying to go back to a time of, like, okay, when was, like, I was trying, when you were thinking about it, and clearly you were, too, it's, like, when was a possible decade where, like, truly the national average for everyone, like, it was better for for everyone as a whole, white, black, whatever, gay, for, like, compared to now? I don't think I know. And you went to the twenties, you said, but it, it just, it's just—it's—it's just an interesting thought experiment. Yeah. Or you went to the twenties and the forties, basically. Well, no, the twenties, not the forties. Yeah. I you always. I went to the forties though. History, That's where I went because of World War Two. History books are whitewashed. Oh, of course. Right, but my upbringing, I remember the Roaring Twenties only being positive. Yeah. Or or but we don't know anything behind like what the we don't know in what any exactly yeah exactly. we don't know anything <laughs> all we about know that. is all about we, the stock market all we part. know is that dude all these technologies were coming out the Great Gatsby I would want to yeah. be Gatsby until the end so something that Spoiler I alert. I just watched a documentary on the stock market crash and all this stuff because like we always which one we, what do you mean with no just like a random YouTube documentary. Like, it was just very random. But what, which, the 2008 or... No, tw- the- uh, 20, 29. Okay. And so, basically, like, because I really wanted to figure out, like, what, like, what was the true fucking cause of the stock market crashing? And there really was no, like, major crash or whatever. Like, there wasn't, like, on the day this happened and the reason... For, so, it was, like, October 4th, 1929 or something yeah. like that. It's just, like, consumer confidence, like, essentially snowballed at a low point. Yeah. And so people just started pulling out like crazy because they noticed other people had pulled out. Out, out of the stock market? Exactly. And so the reason people were pulling out, I discovered, because, like, the rich, smart people had been pulling out all summer because realize you see a, a crash in October. So, like, John F. Kennedy's dad and all these wealthy-ass, like, famous Americans that were known for, like, we know them because of their money and all yeah. this stuff, they were smart and started pulling out of the stock market in the summer of 1929. And they said that the main reason they did, there's two main reasons. One is because everyone was getting involved in the stock market. Like, it was just, like, everyone knew about the stock market. Everyone was just, like had their money in, like, it was just at a total peak. The stock market itself was at, like, a total peak, which is a good time to, like, sell and get out is at the peak of the stock market gain. Right. You know, so, like, because you know it's going to crash eventually. It's peaking, so let's get out. Right. And then that's, like, when everyone else starts to get out and it crashes. But the other thing is that it was, it was I think, the most direct cause was, and I, I'm almost positive, I don't know much about stocks, but, like, I have I invest a little bit, but everything I want to invest, like I have to buy in that moment. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't buy it on credit, like have a credit right. card to buy stocks. 
So what they introduced in like 1925 or something like that was they noticed, you know, Americans were buying war bonds for World War One and stuff like that. So they were like, p- people are clearly willing to buy, you know, stocks and bonds and stuff like that. Yeah. And so what they did is they sold, uh, like you could buy stocks on credit. So everyone was in the stock market at like, just with like 10% of their money. So it's just like all the money was just like fake. It was just all credit. Yeah. So it's just like as people were taking their money out, that was the real money in the stock market that the Kennedys got and whoever, and all the other money was just like this fake credit money. So when people tried to pull their money out, there was just no money to be had. It was just all this fake credit money, wow. and it just like destroyed America. And I think people also took their money out of the banks. And now, because they they were panicking, but and if, so now the banks had no money to do anything for people. Yeah, the banks know? couldn't invest. The banks couldn't give loans. It got to the point where the banks couldn't even give money to give people their withdrawals. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's fucking it's, crazy. It's almost like we, you know, we left the gold standard, and we've progressed probably significantly quicker because of all this non-existent money. You know, and like, where would we be right now if we never did that? And we only said we're we're only gonna do things that we can afford. You know, dude. But I was just watching this documentary. I've been huge into like World War One and before documentaries. Like between the eighteen hundreds to World War One, I've just been obsessed currently. And something that I I've always been reading was like we've been in debt as a country and like all countries are like this essentially every country in the world is in debt to China just to each other now China's in debt to us are they? we're in debt to China like everyone's just in debt to it's all just a fucking fake game and, yeah. you know like we could we're all just gonna eventually clear the debt of each other but America has actually been in debt since the beginning of the war like in the Revolutionary War we were in debt to France and like yeah. we have been in debt like our entire yeah we've always had a deficit every like every year except a couple you know but we've always had a debt since the beginning and it's just like we've basically built this country on like on debt on debt and then the allowance of debt yeah and then of course it's going to come to this bad what are we nine trillion in debt or something Something i don't even know i think it might be seven i don't know i know yeah and i think it's been a long time since I took U.S. history, so I'm going to base this off of the Hamilton, the musical. <laughs> but I believe during that war, when they set it up, that's what Hamilton did, was he established the first national bank, yeah. which assumed the debts of the state, of the colonies that were yeah. states. And like the South, with its uh, agricultural trade, had zero debt. And we know why. Yeah. They didn't pay for labor. <laughs> yeah. And the the North had a lot of debt. And so yeah. they established a national bank, which assumed all that debt. And it was a good system, but it, I, I think that might have been what started our just debt. Yeah. And, and if you know how to play that game, that's how you become a billionaire nowadays because yeah. the money gets bigger and bigger every year. And it's almost – when you you were talking about the stock market, people pulling out, I think – that's a big reason why during this economic drop, the government has been manually propping up the stock market. Yeah. So the stock market hasn't looked bad because if it starts to look bad, too many people will pull out. And so the government has been propping it up by just paying it off in order to keep the stocks high so that we don't have a sudden Wait, but panic. how are they propping up the stock market? I think they're just 
pouring money into it. No, what what they're propping up is uh, the Dow and all those big boys. What they're doing is they're propping up inflation. You know what I mean? Like, I have a friend who's way more into stocks and could probably give a good explanation yeah, I don't, of I don't it. Know much. I just remember the government. He 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 was telling me how the government is essentially propping up the stock market, and so while it didn't seem like it took too big of a hit during this whole Corona pandemic economic crisis. It was a manufactured success that was forced, and I think maybe, maybe with the proper thinking that if we do let it naturally occur and it starts to panic, go down, people will panic, and blah 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 blah. Well, the big difference between the stock market right now and just regular humanity is that the stock market has, for most stocks, has like essentially come back. You know what I mean? Like it's doing okay. It has, you know. Bad volatile times days sometimes, but like most stocks have actually come back. It's, that's that's what I'm saying. You know, is, but humanity, humans, and jobs have not. Yeah. So that's like you said, it's not a reflection of reality. It's exactly. It's a reflection it's, of the rich. If a rich person's reality, I mean, you know, honestly, we could get into all kinds of conspiracies around it. I think it's important to note out loud that neither one of us claim to be incredibly knowledgeable on these yeah. topics. We're just kind of, you know. I actually do invest in the stock shooting market. It out. My mom is. Uh, What's that term called? Shooting the something. Shooting the shit. Shooting the shit. My mom is Ew. and my brother-in-law are both day traders, so they're just like super into it. All they yeah. do is monitor the stock market. So like with my quote-unquote savings, which is not much of a savings at all, my mom will just like invest with my money with my savings, and so I'm Lucky. always. That's nice. <laughs> it's really not a lot. And so um, it's just it's it's crazy how like like you said I don't want to say like manufactured but because it is a reality but it really is only a reality for like thirty percent of America. Well, you said earlier that everyone was involved in the stock market. Then yes. So what if trying to not repeat the Great Depression, even though we've actually done worse, the unemployment is worse right now. What if, and this is only a guess because I think I'm smart, but there's always this idea that the the stock market game or the get rich, accumulate wealth game only works if a limited amount of people know how to play it. Yeah. Because if too many people play it or try to play it or do play it, then the game stops working for everyone. Yeah, And exactly. so you purposely make stock trading not inaccessible, just difficult well, you, you can't put, do it on credit you, you so, can't hey. do it on credit you put some barrier you put some barriers to entry so that the people who do know how to play it they get to play it and they get to play with all that money i yeah. mean it's like it's like gambling at a casino right it has a capacity because if too many people were there right statistically they'd start winning and the and the casino would run out of money but 30 percent's not a lot right that's not a lot of people participating i would say that's what i'm saying though is yeah but it, you as would, a guy, but it, as a guy who knows people in the stock market who is not in the stock market, but knows that just having a savings account is not good if you want to make good money. Yeah, I want to break into it, and I know that it it just takes effort. So it's not like some big conspiracy of they're trying to keep you out, but I think that like the fact that it takes that extra effort is what 
limits too many people from being able to play the game. Gotcha. So you and think therefore, more, more be... people can profit off the, the people who do play it can profit off of it. Yeah. Because there's only so much money. There's only so many stocks to go around, I, I believe, right? I mean, yeah. companies only have a certain number of stocks so, that they buy and basically, trade. Basically, if, if I'm interpreting correctly, what you're saying is like, crashes are not, every 10 years, like the stock market is profitable, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, so like, but it only stays that way if, if not too many people play it and, you know, the rich people drive it and if the corona threw everyone for a loop. Right. And I think... I remember hearing about the government propping up the stock market to make sure that we didn't repeat a ginormous crash. Yeah. Because a crash would have been really, really bad. And yeah. unemployment is bad, but because of the stock market, I, I don't know. But, but, so basically what you're saying is like more than 30% of people should participate in the stock market for it to, you know, for it not to bring, bring even more of a wealth inequality. And I would agree with you because that probably can happen because you can't buy stocks on credit. So there wouldn't be this huge inflation if everyone was in the stock market. So yeah, I would agree. Like More people should be able to be involved in the stock market, but like you just have to give that person money. That's the thing. And like that's and just the, this whole the systematic... knowledge. Yeah, exactly. That's this whole systematic thing that you can't just pass laws I mean, to make more fair. Just the fact... This isn't purposeful... But just the fact that the stock market, you, you buy and trade stocks online, means that anyone without access to a computer or the internet can't do it. And there are plenty of areas in our country that can't. For so sure. it's not accessible to everyone. And what I'm saying is I think it was specifically designed that way because if too many people play the stock market game, oh, then it's that. not profitable enough. Yeah, the the margins of profit go way down because the same amount of money and stocks is now being spread amongst more people. But and the elite at the top don't want that because they want more and more money because they know how to play the game and all that kind of stuff. But if they know how to play the game, you can make the argument that they there's like yeah, let's get everyone involved so there's more skin in the game and there's more to take. I know how to play the game. You and I don't. So if there's a way for us to get in the stock market easier. Uh, shouldn't a rich person based on what you said be like hell yeah you guys get in the stock market so i can just take your fucking money but i don't know how that works because stocks come from companies but so basically it would work as if all dummies like us got into the stock market what would we be investing in then? exactly so we would just be investing in random stuff ford but, but you if, know at&t an annuity just anything and so naturally things would inflate right if just just like this whole other class of human beings got into the stock market you know what i'm saying and then basically they would just like all the stocks would inflate and then the the rich people the smart people would pick the right inflated stocks and then they would make more money i guess i'm i guess i'm thinking in terms of there being a limited supply of stocks to go around there is but there's so many like companies that have stock and stock markets that it's and not if, and if that bad. if demand goes up obviously supply goes down and so the but, return on some of these things would be smaller because you would assume that the more people play the game, the better they get. Yeah. You but might not have always. a head start. Not always. Yeah. You might have a head start, but more people. I don't really know. I mean, I, the yeah, stock well, market is not my area think, of expertise. I think really it's not that because I think like it's just like if you have the money, you can get in the stock market and that's how it should be. Yeah. And I think with that, it does skew to help oh. the 
uh, it does skew to just help the rich person because they already have the funds to get in. And that's where uh, a Bernie plan, and we can end on here, that's where uh, a Bernie plan that I actually really agree with, even though I am getting involved in the stock market now, is just just full circle, is uh, uh, he wants to do like the stock tax. So he basically wants oh, yeah. to tax a stock trade yeah. at like 0.25% or something like that. And I think instead of like putting in laws or finding a way to make the stock market more available to the mainstream or poor people that, let's be honest, are just going to fucking lose their money because it's <laughs> just legal gambling, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I think that instead, let's just tax the people who are getting rich off making billions off who know it well. And let's just make sure those funds are going to like, you know, this is the ideal idealist liberal in me. It's like, let's make sure those funds are going to like programs like education. affordable health care or, or educational Woo! programs. Education. You know I mean? Oh my gosh. It's crazy how many ways in which we've cut things like education and the arts and all that kind of stuff. And people are just like, yeah, okay, that's cool. And then there's just those certain things that you try to cut, like police budgets, and people are like, ah! Really, it's a military. Military budgets, police budgets. I mean, it's, I don't know where I stand on those necessarily because I know that they need money to operate, and I know we need them operating, but I'm not sure. I guess to summarize things, I'm coming. I'm obviously coming across as quite the, I guess, liberal. I don't like, I'd rather have a better term. Progressive is a good term. Progressive is a good term for it. I would say you're progressive. I feel like uh, the listeners don't really know me, but they'll they'll learn. They will. They'll get to know me eventually. Yeah. It's just like, you know, we could establish who we are in this podcast. Be like, my name is Bill Simpson. You know, I'm... Six foot four. I was born on a handsome, You know, like I have a huge cock. You know, just <laughs> all truthful things. All things you can't prove. <laughs> but like, and like the way that I look at it is like the pilot episode is like that's what they try and do. They're like within the pilot, they're like this is this character, this is this character, and like they're just explaining the characters within the pilot. But it's like, why don't you just let me get to know the character as the show goes on? You don't have to like force down who this character is, like. You know what I mean? Like that. I hate how well, shows because, do that. It makes because, pilots very clunky. Because in one instance, the first example, we are writing the story and yeah. telling them, this is who I am and this is how you should think about me. And we're feeding the rhetoric. And that's controllable. But the, the latter is letting the listener decide who we are and figure out our personality and kind of write our story for us and yeah. we have no control over that and that's yeah. kind of terrifying it is kind of but it, it's also uh liberating in a way because that we get to More be authentic. who we want to be authentic yeah and then we get to see who we actually are who we are to other people yeah i i mentioned this to bill earlier that every person that you have ever interacted with in your entire life has some viewpoint image of who you are to them yeah and it's different for every single person so there are thousands if not millions of different versions of you out there yeah and they're all different from the one that you have of yourself and sometimes you hate to find out what other people think sometimes it's humbling sometimes it's touching good things but 
there's it is like you said it is a little liberating yeah it's more authentic because more authentic which is li- obviously liberating it goes hand in hand i don't want you to think i'm a certain way because i told you to think that way yeah i want you to think these things about me because i honestly do come across that way this way if five months from now people are like yes you're just a whiny piece of crap then i'll know that they have like substantial evidence to that fact yes yeah and i can be like okay i'll take an honest look at myself and try and fix that well and that's honestly like i don't know if we already talked about this honest life seriously forgot but like that's a big reason why we wanted to do this podcast is to get out our we thoughts. didn't tell anyone why we wanted to do it. okay it's because we wanted to get out our thoughts of like how we feel right now and then like be able like like chris was saying just compare it to yeah you know even when we're adults like you know adult, we are adults, i'm not an adult but just like you know in like five ten years from now of where we are in life just it would be hilarious just to, just to listen back on our political thought like because i think you did a very good job i'm not saying you were like a bleeding heart liberal but i think you did a good job of conveying the fact that like you are very much so a progressive as we're saying like you're you're very much so uh more progressive than when we first met i remember i was having <laughs> to convince you but again it wasn't convincing it was more just like like you said just letting you know you asked my honest opinion on and something you just didn't you just didn't know like you just knew like the stereotypical like suburban kid oh my god you yeah. know which is not any it's not like your fault yeah and so like with time you've just been like oh yeah universal basic in- health care yeah does make a lot of sense you know yeah like, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Stuff it's like, like it's just like you had the time to just realize oh i am actually liberal it's stepping you know? through that veil and seeing clarity and then you look back and you go, oh, I was being, I was naive. Yeah. And then what's what's frustrating is when you do feel like that about a subject and you look at someone who feels the opposite way. Yeah. And this is going to sound really just like full of myself, but like you see someone, you're like in this state of, you're like enlightened now. You have this new perspective and you yeah. fully believe it's the right one. And you look back at someone who's still confused and lost in the dark and you just like you that that's that's sad and then you 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 try and pull them towards you and you're like here let me help you and sometimes people are too aggressive but sometimes they 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 try to do it the right way they're like please let me let me bring you over to this perspective and then the person's like no i won't that's how i feel about many of our current social issues and political issues I feel like I'm on the progressive end of things. Yeah. And when I hear other people continue to argue that kneeling is disrespecting the flag and that all lives matter and that, uh, you know, all these things, it's like, just step out of that darkness that you're putting on your, these, these blinders that you're putting on yourself. Take your hands away from your eyes because once you see what I see, and you're open to it, you'll understand that, oh, oh, and <laughs> right? Dude, I'm just, I'm glad you are, we're recording all of this, <laughs> because like, I just wonder if you're just gonna, how, if you're gonna be like, I'm so glad I thought this way, you know, like, I really am proud of myself for, for being progressive, or if you're also gonna have, you will have stepped through another veil, and get through some <laughs> yeah. other level of enlightenment, and you're gonna look at your of yourself now and being like damn i was actually still very confused at that time yeah exactly it's just like a growth you know what i mean like and that's how it should be honestly in some ways it could be that i become enlightened and it could be that i become jaded i mean yeah 
But, we'll, we'll have to see. But it is just going to be hilarious looking back on our uh, political views of just like the our current moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think maybe that's something we can get into next episode is really get into um, our political views. And like you said, off air, like we don't want to force a recreation of a conversation. But one I wish we really could do was when we talked about like just all of these hot button keywords it started with cognitive dissonance, yeah. and then it went to white privilege, yep. and then it went to white fragility, yep. and then it went to another one I'm forgetting, uh, but like I think it was just that, yeah. And it's just like you were explaining it to me, equality and, like, and the levels yeah, of equality. Yeah, but like and... what? But the key words you were explaining to me that I was like, you know, fuck you, basically saying <laughs> like my reaction was walking you to the next. Yeah key word you know that you were you were i was teeing up your debates for you and right down uh, the middle man that is just what even though it just made me look like a fool i would love to like recreate that conversation you know yeah something that a goal that i have had recently and something that i want to continue to have in terms of the way the world works right now and people's opinions and whatnot is i i don't expect other people to always share my opinion because that's silly right but what i do expect is for other people to not misrepresent my opinion and then disagree with that and so or anyone's opinion i think everyone should be allowed to express their opinion their own unique way without repeating other people and then you can disagree or agree with that my problem with what we're doing so much right now is that we're purposefully misunderstanding other people's opinions yeah. and then argue. I think it's called the straw man fallacy yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Purposely misunderstanding the argument and then arguing against that yeah. one because you that build one's up, easier. Yeah, you build up against a different argument. Right. Yeah. So if there's anything that I want to con- convey or, or if there's anything that I'm willing to fight for – it's not that I am going to fight to make you agree with me. It's that I want you to just understand my honest viewpoint and yeah. not a misrepresentation of it. And But something that not like – but... And just completely tying it back to the first thing we talked about, the whole Kaepernick thing and everything, that like I would love to just like have someone on or something or have explained to us at some point and then we can talk about uh, – you know, have a conversation about it on the next show. It's like, why – if he was if he had if he was like you and just like was understanding wanted people to be understanding and just like not do a straw man and not take your opinion and and politicize it into something else like hating the flag why and this i feel like is going to make me just sound like a conservative piece of shit but it's just like why did you why did you wear the socks yeah why i Come on, like, let's genuinely try, like, I know we need to close, but, like, why? Here's the only thing that I can think of now. And I don't know anything about this. Right. It's that... We're four years late. It's at the end of the day, Colin Kaepernick is a human being, and he is just as likely to fall into the mistakes that human beings make. But that's a huge mistake. It is a big mistake. When you're trying to have a genuine opinion, like, I don't hate the police, I just want to kneel for police brutality, whatever, I don't hate the flag, to... Doing that, it allows people to politis to change to do the straw man. It, allow- it makes yeah. a straw man 
almost seem like it's not a straw man and real because it, they're yeah. taking the they're using a straw man out of your socks. No, you, you know it gives them a real reason to argue against yeah. the point that you were trying to make. He basically shot himself in the foot with the cop thing. The reason why I continue to support the movement is because I have basically I, the way I think about it is I think about it's a movement that's been going on in America since the very beginning, right? Yeah. Equality. And it's something that we still haven't achieved everywhere in all aspects. And we can get into all those different things. But I think since the founding of America, we've always been trying to achieve equality amongst different tribes, races, sexes. Uh, tribes know, want equality. Uh, all that kind of stuff. They all want to be on equal footing. We've always been striving for that. The way I see it is the movement is being taken and it's like a baton. The movement is a baton and it's being handed from one person to the next, from one generation to the next. And the goal is to move that baton closer to the finish line. You're saying the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement. Which or, is now or, Black Lives Or women's rights. Yeah. Or... Uh, or religious rights. Any other, <gasps> any oppressed, other oppressed group's rights. The, the fight to achieve equality is the baton. And every generation and specific people in each generation grab that baton and they run it a little closer to the finish line. I consider Kaepernick taking that baton, bringing awareness in, of social inequalities into sports. I think he brought it into sports. He was the well. The, other the people definitely like Sharif Abdul Rahim did. Other it. people definitely yeah. did, but for our generation or our th this yes for this Black decade, Lives Matter, he pulled that. He took that baton and he pulled that part that 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 the fight into sports where it really started to hit people, which is what we're seeing right now. And by the time he became a I would say by the time the sock thing happened and he has done a lot of things behind the scenes, but he, he did kind of leave the NFL. He did leave the NFL and kind of fade. I would he say he really fit. I right? would think at that point is when he handed the baton off. So, but the pig socks thing was way before that was, but that was, I don't know the timeline, but that was either was the beginning really of the end on. or part of it. I thought when, it was when he when he first kneeled and he brought attention to it, and there was a press conference that he had a couple days after that where he explained yes, his reasoning. I do remember and that. If you if you listen, if you read that quote, it's a great quote. Great quote. And then, as humans do, he fucked it up. But I think it was pretty early on. It probably was. Yeah. So you could say he had a, the baton for a very small portion. Yeah. But but most people wouldn't. Most people would say he still has the baton. Some people might, you but I haven't, I haven't heard him in the news recently. You know what? Some people don't like the fact that he has been overly he's been overly uh, turned into a hero for what he did, and that's why they don't like the sock thing. Yeah. But but that's why I say he's a human being because all of our heroes have problems. Yeah. O.J. Simpson was once some young man's hero in terms of what he could become, right? Yeah. Uh, Bruce Jenner was probably the hero of many uh, people when he was an Olympian. And then when he had his transition, he became a hero to a whole completely different group of people. So it's like uh, we, we have heroes, but at the same time, those heroes are human and can make mistakes. Okay, yeah, but... Those three things are all just well. They're I, all. I get you. I get what people you're saying. becoming heroes 
and then and then showing not heroic moments. Not heroic moments. Okay, let's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah let's yeah, end yeah. there. But so something we will. I do really want to circle back next week uh, on the cap sock thing because I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, like I really and truly do. So I I will look into that and we can talk about that. I do want to, as we say, as our char- you know, as we do our character development, you know, like progressive and not shove it down your throat in episode one. Eat I would, this. Would like to have. If again, I don't want to force it, but I would like to at least try and have the white fragility uh, conversation next time. And then the debate is on. I know we said we kind of want to do this once a week, so it's not like super soon. But the fucking presidential debate That's is on crazy. on September 29th, and I think that would be a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, but definitely the Kaepernick thing will clear up next time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the two things that I'm focused on a lot in life now is sports and yeah. social issues. But so. it's just funny how, like, the one thing we are talking about, about, like, the news and current events, which is kind of what we wanted the podcast to be about, this is like a, it's at least a five-year-old topic. And it's been talked about to <laughs> yeah. death. But you know what? We've never gotten a chance to talk about it and record yeah. ourselves, yeah. and we should get that ability, yeah. too. And, and, and the only thing I'll say, I'm totally happy to come back to Kaepernick, but the point I was, I guess, trying to make is that, is that I don't believe that the movement should die with Kaepernick. It's allowed right, right, right. to move past yeah. him, which yeah. is why I support it to this day, regardless of the soccer. I just, you I know just I mean? want to look up if he has said reasoning, if a reporter was like, why the fuck did oh, you do that? I, I, that I would be interesting, yeah. yeah, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. So uh, I thought this actually went super well. I think you have, like, no, I would not be just saying this. I think you are genuinely talented at this. Thank you. Because clearly this is your first radio anytime you've done any, like, you've never done anything like this before, right? Right. Have you ever been interviewed or anything? Only in the shower in my own head. Yeah, so, like. And I do a great job at this. Like, if you listen, when I stopped doing my, like, I've done probably 500 pot like no joke. really I've, i'm legitimately i'm a with veteran a superstar here no but like what i'm saying is like when i first started my first like 10 episodes it's just like god you can actually they're online like it's just <laughs> god it's just my voice is shaky i'm nervous it's not a conversation i'm just like reading shit it's just like horrible yeah so like i'm and you know like i've had podcasts where like i just had a friend over and we basically just shot the shit and people like get nervous or they get choppy or they look down or they just don't have things to say or they freeze but like you had like none of that and so like i'm genuinely <laughs> impressed like thank I, you we should really keep doing this like really we should this if is there's one thing i know how to do it's talk but like you like you said you were very thoughtful in what you said and you know how we talked about like we always joke around like yeah if we did a podcast we'd just go on a thousand tangents and rants. i think we did i but i don't I think, like, the podcast, it went organically. Like, I don't think, obviously, we wanted to talk about the NFL and all this shit as yeah. long as we did. But, like, it, A, it was organic. And if it wasn't going somewhere, I would have steered the topic yeah, elsewhere. True. But, like, you were, you were, your opinion, like, it, you really, like you said, you put, it seemed like you put thought into it. So, like, it really was, like, that authentic route. So I was like, let's just keep going with this. And then I loved how, because, dude, I have it in my fucking notes right here. I wanted to talk about World War One and World War Two so bad because I've been watching documentaries on it. So like you bringing it up, like it didn't really come up organically, but I we were able to talk about it for a little bit. Yeah. And then the fucking uh, stock market thing came up well too. So that's like two solid segments right there. Yeah. But yeah, man. I just so, gotta do more research. Yeah, but you know that every podcaster can say that. Yeah. You know that's true. All right, so um, 
I guess we'll try and put these out weekly. I'm just going to uh, close the computer right now and maybe add some editing. Maybe we'll listen to this one day, but we'll uh, do this next week. I'm on vacation. I'll be still be on vacation next Friday, but maybe next weekend, depending on how things are going in the NFL. Like maybe we can record the next day after like some huge social event. Yeah. Like if people bitch. We could do Monday night. I was thinking, well, aren't you watching games Monday night? There's only going to be one game, but Monday night or Tuesday night, because then you'll have the entire first week of the NFL yeah. to see, to keep going with all the social justice. And let's do Monday night. I think that would be cool. If, unless, yeah. that's, unless you want to watch a game, let's do Monday night and then eat after. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I can do it on a full stomach. All right. I'm going to uh, close the computer. This was a lot of fun. We will see all of our millions of listeners next week, right? What's our cool sign-off? We didn't come up with one. Oh. Come up with um, one now. Come on, sign off. I don't know. Come on.